Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. I want to take the time to thank you for listening to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast. This marks the 15th episode, and if you've been listening from episode one, you probably have some interest in building your wealth, but you may not have any interest in actually managing your money. Perhaps you're wondering if you should hire a financial advisor to take care of all this money stuff. While I'm often a DIY type of person, getting professional help is often useful and sometimes even necessary. Hiring out many tasks, even ones that you can do well, is sometimes the best use of your time and money. Many physicians are capable of mowing their own lawn or cleaning their house, but hiring landscapers and cleaners is often money well spent in the time savings and energy savings it provides. While I preach that physicians need to learn about personal finances, I am not at all against financial advisors, but the key word is advisor. You, and perhaps jointly with your spouse or significant other, are still the CEO and CFO of your household. Whenever you get any kind of recommendation from any advisor, you still need to make the final decision on what action to take. Being the CEO doesn't mean that you have to do everything on your own. The key is to build a team, and that team will include professional advisors. With your professional advisors, you want to pay a fair price and get good advice. No one wants to overpay for bad advice. As a physician, We have a culture of the patient comes first, and we're taught to always consider what's in the patient's best interest. However, there are times that even what we think is in the patient's best interest may not actually be what's in their best interest. I would say that other professions and other industries don't as strongly adhere to the customer's best interest as much as we do as physicians. With financial advisors, there's always some conflicts of interest between what's really best for you and what's best for the advisor. It's good to be aware of those conflicts of interest. Any physician is smart enough to learn enough about personal finance and investing to not need a financial advisor or someone who's managing your portfolio. However, if you don't have the interest or inclination to spend the time and effort to learn and manage all of your finances, I would encourage you to at least learn enough to be able to have a meaningful conversation with your financial advisor and understand the options that he or she is presenting you. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Many people are often afraid of sounding stupid, so they don't want to ask questions. In my opinion, the financial world likes to make things sound complicated, especially some financial products, to prevent people from really understanding what it is they're actually buying. Universal life insurance is a great example of this. Getting good financial advice can be a little difficult. In some ways, you could consider if someone is so good at making money, why is it worth their time to manage your money? Now, a financial advisor may call themselves a financial planner, a wealth manager, a financial consultant, or any other title. Some of these people will have no true financial credentials and are really trained salesmen. There are some certifications that you can look for. The first is a CFP or Certified Financial Planner. This is a certification issued by the Certified Financial Planning Board of Standards Incorporated. The prerequisites include a bachelor's degree or higher from an accredited college and university, as well as three years of full-time personal financial planning experience or the equivalent part-time experience, which they consider 2,000 hours 
as one year full-time. Then the person must complete a CFP board-registered program, which typically takes around 18 months to two years. They can skip this program if they hold one of the following designations, a CPA or Certified Public Accountant, a CHFC or Chartered Financial Consultant, a CLU or Chartered Life Underwriter, a CFA or Chartered Financial Analyst, have a PhD in Business or Economics, have a Doctorate of Business Administration, or have an attorney's license. There's also a final certification examination, and they do have continuing education requirements of 30 hours every two years. Now I'm going to review some of those other qualifications I just mentioned, which really is another bowl of alphabet soup. So a CPA or certified public accountant is probably someone you've heard of. Getting a CPA does require a bachelor's degree and 150 credit hours of coursework. There's a certification exam that has four different parts. Each state actually has different requirements for obtaining a CPA license within the state, and many states do require at least one year of professional experience. A Chartered Financial Analyst, or CFA, is a certification designated by the CFA Institute. There are three levels of curriculum, and each has its own exam. They also require qualified work experience and submission of personal references. The CLU, or Chartered Life Underwriter, is a certification issued by the American College. Prerequisites include three years of full-time business experience within the five years preceding the awarding of the designation. Training requirements are five core and three elective courses, which is the equivalent of 24 semester credit hours. There's an examination for each one of these courses. They also have continuing education requirements of 30 hours every two years. The Chartered Financial Consultant, or CHFC, is also issued by the American College and, like the CLU, has the same requirement of three years of full-time business experience within the five years preceding awarding of the designation. The training requirements are seven core and two elective courses, which is the equivalent of 27 semester credit hours, and there is an examination after each course as well. The continuing education requirements are also 30 hours every two years. So how can a financial planner provide value? If you want to discuss your financial goals and make a plan of how to get there, like how much to put in a 503B plan for your child's college fund, this is where a financial advisor or planner could be of assistance. A good financial planner should be able to help you choose which 503B plan would be the best and also help you calculate how much to invest in the account depending on your goals. A good financial advisor can also help you create an investing plan, which will generally consist of stocks, bonds, and possibly private equity investments. Most advisors aren't well-versed in real estate investing, but they can help you buy shares of REITs, which stands for Real Estate Investment Trust, and are traded on the stock market. Some advisors may be able to provide access to institutional investments like hedge funds, private equity funds, or venture capital funds. Another place a financial advisor may add value is protecting you from yourself. For example, selling off all your stocks when the market has a downturn. If you are the type of person who may sell everything in the bear market, therefore selling low, and buy only when the market is doing well, so you're buying high, a financial advisor may actually improve your portfolio returns. 
or if you're prone to being attracted to high-risk investments, a financial advisor could help keep you grounded. On the opposite end of the spectrum, if you're a person who's been saving but not investing, and you have a ton of money sitting in a regular bank account with no plans on where to invest that money, it may also be worth getting a financial advisor. A financial advisor can also rebalance your portfolio, harvest tax losses, and track your returns for you. They can provide you a nice summary of your current portfolio on a regular basis. But what a financial advisor is unlikely to be able to do is get you better than average market returns on your stock portfolio. In fact, if you're paying them a 1% assets under management fee, you're likely to have an underperforming portfolio due to that fee. In episode five of this podcast, I talked about how much difference fees and expenses can make when it comes to investing. If you haven't listened to episode five, put it on your playlist. In order for you to actually have a full and complete financial plan, you'll likely need multiple advisors. When looking for an advisor, decide on what service you actually want and find the expert for that service. So now when I'm talking about a full financial plan, I'm also talking about things like your asset protection, your estate planning, your tax planning. So you can see how that could require multiple advisors. If you're looking for estate planning, you likely want an estate attorney. If you want someone to help you with your tax planning and not just tax preparation, then you'll look for a CPA or tax attorney that provides that specific service. There are some financial advisors who will focus on just investing your portfolio, while there are others who are more like retirement planners, and they'll actually go over your overall plan for retirement, which may include managing your investment portfolio, but also reviewing what retirement plans and benefits you have at your job, as well as what you might expect to receive from Social Security. There really isn't one person who can take care of it all and do it well. What you don't want is to buy your insurance from your financial planner, just like you don't want to buy your insurance from your CPA. Go to an independent insurance broker who really understands the ins and outs of the insurance product you're purchasing. You want to avoid mixing insurance with investments, like what happens with universal life insurance. Yes, there are some people where it can actually be beneficial. And if you're that person, then you're probably someone who understands finances, investments, and taxes very well and already have a significant net worth. There are multiple ways people in the financial world make income. You may be charged by the hour, pay a set fee for a specific scope of work, pay a monthly or annual subscription fee, pay commission on products that are purchased, or pay a percentage of assets they manage, which is the assets under management fee. You may also pay a combination of any of these type of fees. For anyone you work with, you likely want someone who's fairly priced. I know I always want someone who's charging me a fair amount. In my opinion, it's generally best to pay some kind of flat fee. People who sell disability and life insurance are generally paid by commission from the insurance company. However, there are ways, like you heard from Stephanie Pearson in episode 14, where the person working with you may not actually be incentivized directly by the commission. If you decide what kind of insurance you want prior to meeting with that independent insurance agent, then you're also less likely to buy the wrong kind or get sold something you don't want or don't need. By understanding how your advisor is paid, you can have a better understanding for any conflict of interest. So I know I'm going to talk a little bit in extremes right now, but for example, if someone is paid by the hour, then they're incentivized to spend more time. 
So they may be more likely to spend more time with you or do the work more slowly. If they're paid a flat fee, then they're incentivized to get the work done in the least amount of time as possible. So it's possible they're not as careful or may not want to spend the time answering all of your questions. I know these are the extremes, but hopefully anyone you choose to work with will have the integrity to take the time to do a good job and not waste yours or their time. If you end up deciding to have someone manage your portfolio with an asset under managed fee or AUM fee, make sure it's reasonable. Most advisors charge 1% of assets under management. That's somewhat considered the industry standard. But if you have a $3 million portfolio, then they're making $30,000 a year off you, which in my opinion is way too much to be paying. On the other hand, if you have a $500,000 portfolio and you're paying a 0.8% asset under management fee, which calculates to about $4,000 a year, then that might actually be reasonable. It's really not that much more effort to manage a $3 million stock and bond portfolio than it is to manage a $500,000 one. You want to check that whoever you work with has the appropriate credentials for the service they're offering. The financial advisor you are talking to may have a lot of letters after their name, but some of these could just be obtained from some weekend course. Make sure they have at least one of the certifications I discussed earlier. Having experience is beneficial as well. If you are hiring someone to manage your investments, ask potential candidates about their investment philosophy. You may also want to ask to see sample portfolios of their current clients. Who you hire on your team is a personal choice. Some people like to do their own taxes and don't use a CPA. But even if you use a CPA to do your taxes, you should still review your tax returns before you sign them. I encourage everyone to learn enough about finances and investing in order to have productive discussions with their advisors. You want to develop a relationship with the people on your team. You also want to pay attention to the cost over time to ensure that you're not paying any unexpected fees. Another thing to keep in mind is that with any advisor, they can only give you good advice if you're clear about what you want and what your goals are. Now, I am not a financial advisor or financial planner, but I am a life and money coach. And if you want help getting clear about what you want and where you want to go financially, this is where I can help you. I am taking a limited number of one-to-one clients. If you'd like to find out more or see if it's a good fit, you can sign up for a free consultation call with me at growyourwealthymindset.com. We can discuss your personal situation. And if it's not a good fit, I will let you know. My goal is to help physicians, or really anyone, become more financially savvy so that they can live a fulfilling life. As always, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a review. It really helps get the word out. And now the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial professional, and this show is really just for your education as well as your entertainment. I'm also a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please consult your own physician. Thank you.